Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is November now, November the 6th of 2019. I am Nick, here with Chris. We are going to talk about manga. There's a lot of manga to talk about. Many short chapters, but many chapters nonetheless. Yes, and if you collect them all together, there's a tiny clue hidden in each one. It puts together a mosaic, and if you follow that mosaic all the way to the end, you find uh, the value of life, which was the adventure you had along the way. And also a $7 fee for opening the uh, the chest that had all the, the clues in it. Okay, that was well-timed. I don't know what the hell happened there, but uh, the call stuttered while you were talking for me. Yeah, but that's it'll okay. do that. It'll do that. Fine. So, Chris, I figured out the way that we can make our podcast more successful. Nudity? Yes. But also, as well, uh, what we need to do is to just get guests on the show that will drop controversy and create clicks. Uh, Now, in order to do this, we need to, you know, not have any care for, you know, what the consequences of uh, giving these people a platform would be. But it's all right, because by doing this, we'll be richer and thus not have to care about that. So. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I sold my morals out a long time ago. Cool. So we are good to go. Donald Trump Jr. is going to be on the podcast next week, guys. Gotcha. That's that's shockingly not as large of a get for our podcast, I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you thought I was going to. Oh, I thought you were going to get someone like it was relevant. Okay. I was like, like the the. Trump kid no one really cares about? Alright. I guess that's the other daughter. Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah. T- Tiffany Trump or some nonsense one, like that? I don't know. The one that's kind of like separate from all that stuff, yeah. It's hard to tell when your president's old as fuck, so all of his kids are fucking grown up as shit, except for the mm-hmm. one he had with a wife that's like 30 years younger than him. So, <sighs> so there's like a little kid one, but then like six fucking adults, so I can't pay attention to all that. It's totally, it's totally normal. Yeah. This isn't fucking England. We don't have a goddamn royal family. I'm not paying attention to fucking like eight different branches of this shit. Speaking well, of which, uh, I, I do want to note uh, the cries for help are out there now because I just started watching Great British Bake Off again. I told people, oh no. it's like the moment that happened, that's when you want to check in with me. That's when you want to send like your messages support like something's up. So is, is there, there. A, is there an older man who who sounds like Winnie the Pooh this time, or is is there anyone? I, and I don't mean just like literally. I mean like, is there anyone that you've you know attached your heart to that needs to stay on the show forever? Uh, so this was a season. This is, I guess, what Netflix has is five, which I guess is three seasons ago. So they're they're currently doing a new one. Then there was one before that that I watched like half of, and that's the one with the old guy. This is the one mm-hmm. before that. Uh, the guy I already liked, who was this very nice, uh, like, not older, like, middle-aged kind of, like, British guy. He, he had just such a charming smile. He's gone already. So cool. I'm I'm all in on this 19-year-old kid whose name is Liam. And, uh, God, if it doesn't work, then... It's uh, your cat's reincarnation. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so, but maybe like in a little bit. <laughs> he just like puts out the dish. He just bats it off. They're like, I don't know why we allowed a cat onto this show, but. Well, 
I don't think we can uh, delay much longer because we do have like 13 series to hit uh, in different quantities. So let's do this. There's, guys, there was no My Hero Academia this week. That's okay because filling in for that, it was, it, it's, not, it's not quite dead. It, it was a, there was a chapter of Food Wars. From what I understand, this came from the uh, most recent and final fan book. Which is just, you know, kind of like a collection of like, hey, if you're a fan of the series, look at all this trivia and artwork and stuff. And here is a little story that we threw in there. And the story is it's 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 set in the past, Chris. It's, it's, it's how Soma got his iconic scar on his eyebrow. And he got this scar. It's a box fell on him. You know, I didn't read this chapter. I, I just didn't process that it existed. And the process of you explaining that to me is like, yeah, you know, it's fine. I don't know what I did with the nine tenths of a, a minute that I, I saved by not reading this chapter. But it was it was probably better spent doing something else. There's a whole thing in there about like Joe Itro tries to teach Soma a lesson by saying like, you know, good chefs only have one scar because they don't repeat mistakes in the kitchen. And it's like we didn't. I mean, he was running around like an idiot and a box fell on him. It's not like he accidentally cut his hand while chopping vegetables. What if he has to like make every mistake once now? No, he had his head with the box. He's never going to mess up from here on in. That's just how it works. Yeah. Anyway, also, then, then someone's grandfather gave him a knife. And that was, that's how he got his knife. Who the fuck is this for? Like, no one wants, like, no one after Food War was over was like, Oh man, there's just so many unanswered questions. I wish there was more of this series. Like, I just don't like when Naruto ended. We're like, I bet there's a bunch of diehards who still have things they kind of want to see addressed. Like, ignoring the fact there's a sequel series, like, or when Toriko ended, there's people who definitely probably wanted like a little bit more. Food Wars like let out the biggest, longest wet fart on its wet, like the two months prior to it leaving, and it still keeps pushing out chapters that I assume we're meant to be like, ooh, some more tidbits to really. Sick my teeth into how delectable food wars the gift that keeps on giving it's like no you're done it's you've sailed off into the sunset or sunk over the horizon i don't whatever analogy you want to use get out of here food war still has quite a quite a devoted fan base to it so i'm sure that there are people who want some answers but i don't think that this was if there were people who wanted to know uh, how Soma got his scar and his knife, this is probably not a very satisfactory answer for them. And I'm sure that most people would probably have rather, for example, learned what the hell happened with, you know, certain characters we didn't need to get to see a lot of in the uh, epilogue chapters. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we also have uh, a short chapter for Spy Family. It is, in fact, titled Short Mission One. Uh this is an incredibly short uh, and very cute chapter, much like the character that it focuses on, Anya, uh, which is just she's playing spy. Uh, she uh, has two of her stuffed animals, including the uh, prize penguin from uh, that was one for her. Uh, there's a little moment at the beginning where she like, you know, is like, ah. Uh, if you will eat this half of the peanut and I will eat the other half, and then you will officially be member of the secret agency. And she holds out like the two halves of the peanut to the stuffed animals mouths. And then she just eats the both because she's a six year old. Uh, but then while she's just going around playing spy and stuff, she starts to approach, uh, her parents rooms. 
Uh, and she's not allowed to go in there. So she starts to get in and uh, Lloyd stops her and starts to scold her. And Anya gets really upset. And she's like, I hate you guys. I'm running away. And instead of treating this like, you know, a six year old's tantrum and being like, no, you won't, you know, or just go cool down or whatever. Lloyd's immediately like, oh, no, this will put my operation in jeopardy. And so he just panics and uh, tries to calm her down by taking the penguin and uh, playing with her. And so the three of them uh, play pretend together and go out into the street uh, playing pretend spy. And it's very cute. It is. Very and then that's it. Yeah. Very short, but very nice little chapter. I think this one makes a lot more sense. Like, I know that part of the reason they do this is because these are running a jump, I guess, as opposed mm-hmm. to like, yeah, but this one makes a lot more sense why it's like a point two as opposed to a chapter 16. Where you're like, nothing really happened in this one, but it was adorable or whatever. So fair enough. I guess if the first one is going to be like a a lot of people's introduction to the series, though, you would want to, you know, do something that covers the bases more uh, thoroughly Mm -hmm. in terms of like, this is what this character gets involved with. This is what this character gets involved with. And here is a lot of the shenanigans you can expect from this series uh, when you ramp it all the way up. But yeah, this one was just a much more like, oh, here's here's a cute little thing that happens in their everyday lives. So, yep. All right. Eden Zero. Let's talk Eden Zero, Nick. Chapter... I uh, just passed by the picture. 68, Valkyrie. So we open with... Uh, Zhao Mei, maybe? I don't remember. It's something, it's, it's something you Chinese. Got it. You got it. Uh, and it's a very she, odd opening. <laughs> because she's the weird narrator of our story who has to tell us about the fate of... Uh, Sun Jewel, I guess, was the name of the planet. I forgot. It's been a while. Uh, Sun Jewel, now that all the characters have left, because we're done with that story. Uh, and I will be a sex slave for the rest of her life, uh, presumably, unless they ever decide to address that again, because we're done with the planet. They, She goes off to even... <laughs> That'd be an interesting little detail, because she's like... Looking ahead, you know, presumably a few years into the future and there's like this is like the aftermath and this is what will become the plan. Everything works out for them. You know, yeah. there's democracy and, and, and a thriving economy and stuff like that. And it would be nice if they just thrown in there. It's like, yeah, Madame Kuro and I just like she, she was just found in a ditch somewhere eventually. <laughs> like, Jesus. All right. Uh, so, yeah, they, they say that uh, Sun Jewel is going to be good. It's going to be great going forward. But oh, hold on. I've. I've gotten too far into the future. We must return to the present and deal with it's like fuck this stupid gimmick. I, is so... I want this series to be like like a WWE show or something like that. You know, it's it's put on live every week, but with and uh, with very obvious fan interaction, so that every time Zhao Mei does one of her, uh, you know, like oh, I'm not, I shouldn't be doing that as the you know the person who can see the future. Boo. Shut up. Yeah. Boring. Yeah, she's just the color commentator, or I guess the play-by-play commentator. It's meant to give us all the heads up for what's going on in the ring. She just keeps talking like, you know, you guys, if you really want to know more, you should make sure to follow Rebecca's tout account. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> like, they're not still trying to push that, are they? They are needing zero. <laughs> so... We see a big council room meeting uh, with all the important characters, except for the captain, who we find out is just listening in on the side later. Uh, And I've forgotten his name because I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, But everyone else is there, it looks like. And Hermit, or not Hermit, Sister is really angry because they didn't bring Valkyrie's body back. And Mora's like, yeah, well, you know, 
she's kind of like a symbol of hope on our planet. So felt kind of rude to bring her back. And sister gets really angry because she's like, we could have fixed her. I bet we could have. We all have backups. You know, we Can you we imagine, though, if like someone just like went to, I don't know, like the, the unnamed soldier's grave, just like picked up the headstone, just like carried it away. <laughs> <laughs> it would be really weird. It, it, it's a very good point. Uh, sister's very upset, though. Or hermit. No, yeah, sister. Sorry. Uh, which tries to play like me. And she's like, yes, you could theoretically bring her back, but would be without any personality or memories. She would not be the same person. Uh, and, you know, sister's upset. She's angry. Like, you know, it'd be better than laying her die. And they're like, well, she is dead. And eventually like, all right, cheeky, you're the captain. What do you say? And he's really dumb at first, which I appreciate, where he's like, I don't know, what are Endor stages? Because they were talking about cloud storage and endorphins a moment ago, and he just combined all the words he didn't understand, apparently. Uh, but he says, I don't really get it, but my grandpa said a long time ago, and it's just a big quote from the Demon Lord, I guess was his name. I can't remember if he actually had his different name or not. I can't recall. Michael was the other robot. All right. So I was trying to think if he had like a normal name. Demon Lord basically was like, hey, robots die too. We die at a different kind of rate, so the things that we value are different, but we still die. And in dying, it proves that we have hearts. Yeah. So Cheeky's like, yeah, so like we kind of had to accept that she's dead, but at the same time, it's kind of nice because we know that she had a heart as she died. So there we go. Uh, which I feel like... I don't want to nitpick there. I feel like it's a little weird to say it in front of the other three androids and then the robot, because to them, they all seem to be under the belief they have a heart. So it's kind of like this weird, like, I'll invalidate, I'll validate you in this moment, I guess. Um, but anyway, the big thing is that Homura steps forward and is like, hey, so you need four shining stars to achieve your goal. Valkyrie's dead. Then I will take her place. I will be Valkyrie. It's and a really big moment. Like she gets like a almost a full two page spread of just her just making this announcement, this declaration, while the other three uh, st- shining stars look on and just shock about it. So Ziggy, by the way, that someone brought that up. Ziggy was the name. Of the Let's just call him the Demon Lord. <laughs> I like Ziggy a lot better. There's another Demon Lord in the fucking recap already. So. I don't have a name. You got to be Ziggy. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, I'm a mountain now. <laughs> so they kind of talk about this a little bit. They're like, so can non androids be shining stars? And they're like, I mean, I guess now that you mention it, it's kind of a nebulous group position. So yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> like I was under the impression, and I'm sure that this has probably been established to not be the case, that the androids were actually specifically constructed to serve the purpose of being the shining stars. So the idea that it's a mantle that can be taken up by someone else is a little bit weird. But I suppose if you have access to the cloud in order to have backups and all that stuff, that you could just download this into somebody uh, just this, you know, functionality into somebody else. And if you got ether gear, then yeah, I guess, you know, anyone can fulfill, fulfill that purpose as well. It doesn't necessarily need to be an Android. Yeah. In my mind, there was some like, I don't know, magical reason why they four specifically had to like unlock the way to mother, but it makes just as much sense. I suppose they're like, yeah, I, don't know, I guess if you want to, sure. 
Um, I, I'm trying to look at it more and I mean, like, you know, it's it's weird if you think about it purely in terms of just like a science perspective, if you approach it from that end of the sci fi fantasy scale. But if you just look at it in terms of the fantasy uh, aspect of it, well, it's a it's an interesting narrative choice. So, yeah, I mean, this is Space Kingdom Hearts, so it makes sense that this is the way you kind of just fill things in. Didn't Kingdom Hearts also have space? I mean, they go to space worlds, but they've never... I mean, you fly through space, but you don't really do a lot of space stuff. You just spend four straight hours in the last game finding a giant labyrinth that gets fucking NPCs you don't care about. Spoilers for Kingdom Hearts. It sucks dick. Sister leaves. And she's like, (laughs) I'll go after her. Uh... We cut over to Draken Joe and his big giant spaceship, which is chasing after the Eden Zero, and it suddenly starts to fizzle away and glitch out, and they realize, oh, man, they got us. That's that's a hologram. We've been chasing the hologram the whole time. Yeah, we've got to, we had to kind of like, uh, it was like, look, it's not, it's not time for this confrontation, so uh, they went after a hologram instead. Uh, it's, it's, uh, shut up. We'll do, do this later. Yeah. So... Uh, we see all the different members being like, oh, I guess they got away from us. But Dracula Joe says, well, I know where they're going. So we will find that out next time, presumably. They just show up at like a pizza hut or something like that. So, damn, I really <laughs> thought they would come here. <laughs> oh, well, while we're here, <laughs> it was just as give me some breadsticks. <laughs> He's like, and after we're done with this. I definitely know where they're going. <laughs> Just show up the, a... They're going to the Dairy Queen. I'm sure of it. <laughs> oh, they're not here. Well, while we're here, just a real quick blizzard for the road. <laughs> Guys, I'm sure that they're going to be. <laughs> Guys, I know where they're going next. Oh, they weren't at the movie theater either. Well, I guess we'll just watch Lighthouse since we're already here. They're like, Dragon Joe, it's going to take a couple hours to sit through. The next showing doesn't start for a couple hours. <laughs> Guys, I know where they're going. They're going to McDonald's. Do you just like you have eaten at three different places? Yeah, but we went through the movie and I'm hungry again. <laughs> you had popcorn while we were there. Yeah, but like, popcorn's not really filling. It's kind of just no. like something to pass. Yes, my it neck. is. It's one of the most filling things you can have. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe for you. It's not a real, it's not a real meal. <laughs> my stomach dissolves popcorn at a faster rate than people. That's what my Uther Gear ability is. They also gave me bomb powers because they thought that wasn't cool <laughs> enough. So I got both of those. But <laughs> remember the first one. I can't eat enough popcorn. <laughs> uh, so we cut over to an insanely dramatic conversation that's happening it's between really... witch, witch and uh, sister, where sister is still vis- very visibly upset over valkyrie's death and which is trying to console her about everything like they start kind of reminiscing like oh hey you know valkyrie really liked to be on this observation deck she really liked looking out into space oh we you know we used to heal her a lot after battles and i didn't realize how hard it would be to lose a teammate and sister starts getting upset she's like how could you be so calm and she sees underneath witch's visor she's crying and she, uh, which says, I envy Hermit allowing herself to express so many emotions, but maybe when it's just the two of us, there's nothing wrong with letting ourselves cry. And the two of them cry and hold each other. And, uh, that's the end of the chapter. I really like this chapter. Uh, not all parts of it. The hologram thing kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, the opening is a bit weird. Um, 
but the core of it that focuses on, hey, you know, Valkyrie is dead. Like she is dead, dead uh, is unexpected because it's a little bit unexpected, at least uh, because I'm just so used to fairy tale, just like not killing anyone to find a way to bring her back or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that could, like I mentioned back when we were first learned that she was dead, could be potentially a far off goal. Like, what you know, one of them uses their wish to bring her back. But I really like the idea that, yeah, hey, you know, there is um, just someone died and we learned enough about uh, Valkyrie and what she meant to these other characters that it does feel like a loss, even though she was never around in the in the present timeline. Um, and everyone's just got to deal with that. And there's some, you know, pretty heavy stuff in this, the way that, you know, we've had to see a more deal with it, the way that we had that we now have to see. The, uh, the stars deal with it. Uh, and I like the idea that Mora, you know, has willingly taken up this mantle to carry on her mother, basically her legacy. And she's got to live up to that. Uh, I hope that becoming the new Valkyrie doesn't just mean that she gets all of Valkyrie's powers right away. And the whole thing we saw Valkyrie doing in the flashback demonstrating how strong she was, was a way to just go like, this is a preview of how strong Homer is going to be immediately. Um, I don't think that that's the way things are going to be done, but I wouldn't put it past hero, you know. Uh, but it also does address a lot of the concerns that we had of like, hey, you know, if Valkyrie just joins this crew, she's basically just going to be a stronger Homer. Oh, she's she's dead. <laughs> yeah. So this is, but you know, there's a lot of great emotional stuff in this chapter. I like the, this is probably actually the most that I have liked cheeky um, because he draws on his own experiences, his own life to, you know, explain this message of like, Hey, you know, whether it's human or machine that, you know, people have hearts and they have souls. And I like the distinction that is actually made between like, yes, we could you know, upload all of, Valkyrie's memories into a new shell, but her soul would not be carried over that way. And there's something very interesting about that. Uh, you know, that's an actual like philosophical theory that people have about that kind of thing. So yeah, really liked it. Yeah, I, I dig. I, I agree with you. Enjoying how we really do kind of feel, at least for now, that Valkyrie's dead and. There are consequences to it, and the status quo changed a little bit, even though she wasn't a part of the team. That it, you know, it feels like something actually significant has occurred in a hero series that wasn't just a new character has joined the group or something like that. Um, the only thing, and and I, I don't fault it for anything it does. I wish I could have felt more emotionally connected to Witch and Sister at the end. But because those are two of the characters that get the least amount of screen time, I just wasn't able to like completely buy into it. Not buy into it. I, I just couldn't feel it the way I wanted to. Just because it is strange. Not strange, but they're the ones who don't get the screen time in the group generally. So I feel like we just don't really know that much about them. Guys, I'm not going to apply the Unahana joke to Valkyrie. I'll be doing it for 400 chapters. <laughs> Watch her come back next month. Damn it! <laughs> Golden <laughs> opportunity. Oh, I could have done it. Fire! <laughs> All right. Um, 
I don't really have anything to say about Beast Children this week. They lose the game. They lost the game. Um, also, Japan lost the the Rugby World Cup. The World Cup is over. Congratulations, South Africa. So I'm pretty sure the series is going to end soon. Um, but then again, I don't think that any volumes of the series have come out yet. So I guess we'll actually know for sure when that happens. If someone can actually point me towards towards that, because this came out a little bit after Samurai 8, and Samurai 8's uh, first two volumes dropped like a month ago. Yeah, it's definitely... I mean, we haven't seen any new jump starts for a little bit, I guess. Or not jump starts, but new series in jump. So maybe once an announcement that that's happening will be our our sign that something's leaving. I don't know if it's going to be Beast Children immediately. Is it the number one thing kind of at the bottom? Uh, Okay, here it is. Yeah, you can't. You the first. It looks like the first volume is out. Okay. No wait, that's not it. That's a different one. Never mind. I don't know. well, I, I don't really have anything to say about it. Hey, maybe, maybe it was always, always the uh, plan to just have the series be kind of limited and just to promote the uh, the Rugby World Cup. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I don't imagine it was because it felt like there were a lot of grand plans beyond that that have been truncated. No. But who knows? <laughs> maybe it was just like they pulled the plug as soon as Japan lost in the quarterfinals. Like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Screw this sport. We don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to Mission Yozakura Family. Mission 11 Glitch. This is continuing on from the previous chapter where we had one of the siblings going to get their own focus chapter. We do another one with uh, Shion, the uh, hacker girl. And uh, this chapter is basically uh, the first time that she's working together with Tayo uh, as she has invited him to her game room. And they're playing this... Uh, this video game that she is uh, that she has made uh, with custom models uh, featuring little avatars for both herself and for Tayo. It looks like Super Mario Brothers, uh, but then when they attack uh, enemies, they actually use like martial arts moves and stuff. And uh, all of the enemies look like uh, QHRO because uh, everyone in the family is just kind of sick of his shit, basically. Uh, they beat up a boss enemy, which is a train with Kyoichiro's face. And then I guess there's just a news report that's on the background, uh, where a reporter says the runaway train on the Tonan line has come to a stop after speeding through several districts. It is unknown as to why it stopped on its own. And, uh, Tayo's like, uh, uh, what, 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 what's going on here? And, uh, basically it's explained like, yeah, so what I do is uh, I hack into operating systems and I convert that into a game and then I clear the game. That's that's just how I do things. Fair enough, I guess. Seems like an extra step, but it is silly. Uh, so I like it. I, I, I understand if people find this very weird, but you have to understand that hacking in all fiction is always made absurdly goofy if you actually understand how hacking happens. So... This doesn't feel all that more ridiculous than no. fucking, uh, what was it, CSI having somebody be like, I need an extra pair of hands here, and it's two pants typing on the keyboard, as though that's how hacking happens. We have to hit the keys even faster. <laughs> uh, so, 
the big mission that they have to deal with uh, at this point is that there is a missile that's going to launch. It's set to launch in five minutes and it's going to hit the parliament building because there is a secret society that wants to destroy all of humanity. They want to destroy everyone and every country. And so they have somehow gotten a hold of this missile and they're going to uh, launch it. So she sounds like, so yeah, you know, uh, you keep up with me. Uh, we've got to catch up with the, with the, with the missile that's in the video game. That is how we stop the missile from actually launching. Uh, if you don't hurry, you won't be on the screen and it's game over. Uh, but uh, Tayo gets stuck uh, on some blocks and he can't move forward. He's like, oh, no, I'm stuck. And Shion's like, yeah, well, you know, running and shooting things aren't all a spy does. You really suck at games. <laughs> you have to be detailed and precise. That's also very important. Uh, but somehow Tayo just phases through the blocks and he's like, what what, what happened? And basically, um, Tayo accidentally did that thing that some gamers know how to do. Uh, if they've just practiced the same game over and over again and just glitched through the wall. Yeah. So the video game is a tool for hacking, but you can also glitch. Now, this is how it works. That's how hacking works. <laughs> you were just talking about, like, if you know how hacking works. So basically, he hacked the hack. <laughs> so, um, and he's like, ends up like, accidentally giving himself superpowers and all this stuff. And Shion is really pissed off because they're all they're working together, but they're also competing. And he's basically just lucking into cheating in order to do better than her. Uh, but they managed to uh, stop the missile eventually. And they're like, all right, we did it. But, oh, no, there's another missile. And uh, Xion gets an update in her task, which is that the government didn't realize that the secret society had a second missile. And so she's like, all right, well, I'm, I can't access the missile now. So there's there's nothing I can do. So that's it. Uh, but so she so she uh, starts to get on the on the phone with someone in order to tell them to start the intercept system. But Tayo gets an idea of like, well, can't we blow up the missile before it reaches its destination? And she's like, no, we can't hack into that missile. And he says, not that one, the one that we stopped. And Jeon's like, I like that idea. So they played the game again, and uh, Tayo just hits buttons, and uh, they launch the first missile, which goes after the second one, and they both blow up in midair. Uh, and uh, Tayo collapses afterwards because he had to hammer buttons so much. Uh, and so Shion's like, hey, you know, for you to think of disregarding the system and staring at theories like that, maybe there's a glitch in your brain, too. But it's kind of a compliment. But then she's like, but you cannot just rely on glitches to help you out in a game. So we're going to play. And she just like has a whole bunch of games. And apparently Taya was subjected to gaming with her for like three nights straight after that. I like this chapter as an introduction to a character much better than the previous one, just because it's much wackier uh, and more out there. Uh-huh. Uh so there are and there are a few moments in it. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, we'll just take one missile and we'll blow up another one with it. So it's very silly. Samurai eight chapter twenty five encounter curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. So Hachimaru has won the tournament, which they talk about for a bit. And now they get to meet apparently one of the keys. At least they think that he's one of the keys. Um, there is a sniper watching the proceedings from up on a mount, uh, and he is got 
you know, a, a scope trained on their group. The main boss uh, approaches on his bull thing uh, and uh, he shows up and then he's like, I'm the founder of the festival. You're the winner. So step forward. And they're like, this guy's fat. Literally, uh, one of them says, this guy's a lot chunkier than I expected. So, uh, but they think that he looks really tough too. And so they're like, all right, we, this guy's going to be our, uh, our companion. But first he says, I am a samurai who shall be a key to the box. Now it is time to fight. Like before, if your key is damaged, you lose. If you defeat me, I will give you 1 billion yen. Let us begin. But Hachimaru's like, oh, hang on. I don't really care about money. I want, I want you. And <laughs> admittedly, the tournament founder does say a funny line, which is, you know, I don't think I've ever had a winner come on to me before. He's just, not just like, he doesn't say you gay. He's just like, oh, this has never happened to me before. <laughs> strange. <laughs> uh, but I will clarify saying, I want you to, to, you know, join my group. And I'm, because I'm searching for other people to help me protect the galaxy. And the guy's like, no. I, I want cash. I don't care about some sort of abstract threat to the entire galaxy. Uh, and so Hachimura's like, well, in that case, what if I use the billion yen I get from beating you to hire your services? But Dharma is using his super X-ray vision stuff to examine the founder. And he says that uh, the blade of his weapon is not white. It does not shine. If anything, it is murky. Can such a samurai soul actually become a white blade? And so he's like, he's not trustworthy. Uh and then he's like, hang on, let me use the Pokedex. And the Pokedex says, complete analysis on five counts. Former Gozanze-style samurai of the Oni people of planet Zero or O06, Ben K. Wanted for multiple serious felonies committed within Galactic Ball Federation space. What What the fuck? I'm glad he is a first-rate fraud. They just have like a little fucking device. It's like, boop, 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 boop. here's all the info, chief. Like, thanks. He is known as Ben the Key Hunter. Ben. Ben. I know his Ben. K- his name is Ben K. But that's like you know a legit you know samurai reference. But Ben. Yeah, that's his real name. His nickname is Ben the Key Hunter. I'm not trying to like, you know, dunk on people who go by Ben or anything like that. It's just like I, just oh, don't I think they're all losers. In the game. Just Ben the Samurai. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and Dharma's analysis even says likelihood of box key one percent. This is not the key samurai we are looking for. Really Thanks for clearing that up. It's not even Dharma saying that. <laughs> Thanks, Dexter. So Ben says, like, ah, you're not just some cat samurai. What is your true purpose here? I guess you figure me out. No, I don't have a key to the box, and I'm not the kind of generous man who would give away a billion yen. I simply hunt the fools who are lured in by my offer. Now go, he calls out to his samurai, who shoots a bullet, and it, um, misses? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that, what happens here. <laughs> I think that he actually shoots 
the so whatever so <laughs> like it's a sitting there being like well i think maybe he dodged there's a whole bunch of people who look the same maybe, because they all wear it's... the same stupid visor and headband and stuff so i don't know who's talking oh to who. it's a, it's a cop that shot and was trying to shoot ben but he has someone watching he has from walls. above yeah, someone monitoring the situation, so he was able to summon a wall to block the bullet. But hang on, who talks to this guy at the beginning? Because there is the sniper guy, and there's, there's the sniper guy and the guy on the bird thing, who I believe are both cops. Okay, so there's the sniper guy, <laughs> and then Ben when he's flying down. Uh, says, listen closely, when I get there, I'll give you the signal, then you can execute the plan. So, I assumed that the sniper was working for Ben, but then the sniper shot at Ben. So, anyway, he was actually talking to Kotsuga, is what we learn, eventually. It was just done in a very confusing way by cutting back and forth between the sniper and Ben to make it look like he was talking to the sniper. That's what's going on. Anyway, he shot at Ben and Ben is monitoring everyone from above with from, I guess, a view screen or something like that. And so he was able to block the bullet. Anyway, sniper guy signals to Captain Sen, who is the samurai that Hachimaru fought earlier, who just, you know, forfeit. And so he's he's like, I'll be back there. Give me 60 seconds of footage and we'll analyze it on our end or uh, something. And Ben's like, don't worry about it. Continue with the plan. Kotsuga. And Kotsuka runs in towards Anne. And Ben's like, if we take the princess hostage, that will eliminate all the trouble. And then Dharma's like, so this is where he makes his move. Yes, thank you for that input. That, that is what is happening right now. Kotsuka is making his move. No, not what's no. his name. Oh, no, not 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 the less likable of the duo who just joined them like five chapters ago. I wish I, I feel like it's maybe intentional. But if it's not, it's still just as hilarious that Ryu's reaction is just like a mild eyebrow perking up in the full page spread of Kotsuga, like betraying everybody and acting. He just is stoic with a slight eyebrow quirk. And that's as much emotion as the reader had at this like shocking betrayal. Not that I thought this character was evil, but that I didn't give a fuck about this character like, if you review it, he's like, at the end, he's like, I'm the space overlord who rules over Samurai 8 world with an iron fist. And be like, yeah, is there another one maybe you guys could do instead or something like that? Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, there's all this stuff. And I mean, like, admittedly, sometimes Samurai does something that's like, okay, that was, you know, very out there and weird but this was just such straightforward like because i'm evil and that guy in your team is working for me and he's probably going to join your group after this battle's over after he has a change of heart or something whatever something along those lines like this is potentially an opportunity for this character to get more interesting so like to look on the positive side there's that it's just i don't know this arc feels like it had some interesting stuff building up to it but at this sort of big climax it it really just 
doesn't feel like there's a whole lot actually going on. Mm hmm. OK. All right. So let's let's talk about We Never Learned, Nick. Yes. Uh, question 134. A predecessor's past is colored by a pizza bet. So, you know, we need more of Chris. Yes. We needed more of the ship teasing going on between Asumi and Yuiga. Mm-hmm. Not not a matter of like, you know, they stumble into situations just like people around them just harassing them. Just well, That's what we needed. Yep. So uh, Uega has finally gotten his cast off. He's at the Kon- he's at the Komenami Clinic, and it's Asumi's mom who's helping him. Uh, we find out specifically why. Like, there's a little bit of flirtation that Asumi does. Like, oh, you know, you can't lean on me anymore. It's like that. But we find out why Asumi's dad isn't the one doing it. It's because he is badly sick. He has a very bad cold right now, and he continues to try to help people. Because he's like, it's not a big deal. And everyone's like, get the fuck back to bed, you stupid asshole. <laughs> so uh, their mom says, hey, you know, leave this to me. You take some rest. I'll handle everything with the housework and everything like that. So you just focus on studying. So Sumi's like, cool, thanks. And she asks, who's the help? And two members of her maid service show up. And I believe these characters have showed up before. I'm just they, never going yeah. to remember their names because it's no. not important enough. They don't. No. They don't even have distinctive personalities to be like. Made Quick, one Chris, and made two. Name the four members of the Fumino Club. <laughs> God, I think I think if you gave me two days, I <laughs> might, could, I might, might be, I might be pull able up to, the chapter. <laughs> I might be able to remember one of Uega's friends, <laughs> and that's about as far as I can go in minor characters. Uh, they both say like, oh, hey, Asumi, how's it going? And of course, her mom's like, why do you guys know each other? But before they could reveal that she works there, Asumi's like, great to see you guys. Go, let's go, let's go. So she she chases them all away. She like, is, is she very non-suspiciously rushes up and slaps her hands over one of the maid's mouths to, tell, to prevent her from telling uh, why they know each other. So. Yeah. So. They're going up into the room. The maids are doing all their housework. They're like, hey, excuse us. Going through. We're, we're doing our running with a cloth on the ground uh, cleaning technique, which I don't know. It if It cannot I, be very efficient. I, don't I know, know that you like cover a lot of ground quickly, but like you're just kind of like wetting the floor that you, that you go over. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen someone do this in real life. I feel like I've only ever seen this as a cleaning method in anime. So... In my mind, I'm like, it doesn't work at all. Part it's to clean anything. That's why we don't do it in real life. It also has to be hell on your your shoulders and elbows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're like, hey, excuse us, squeeze in, squeeze in, and eventually, the two of them realize they are like shoulder to shoulder, like pressed against each other. And so he was like, what are you doing? And they both play dumb. They're like, we're just cleaning, because you know we don't. Well, it's not like we're trying to give you like a thoroughly clean room so you could spend more time with your boyfriend or anything like that. And Asumi was like, "What are you talking about? He's not my boyfriend." And then uh, they reveal that they have her dad on video phone, and he's like, "What do you, <coughs> what do you mean, not your boyfriend?" So she's like, "Ah, fuck. All right, yeah, no, totally my boyfriend. Super great. Thanks. Anyway, <laughs> it's so it's so creepy." Like, because they've got so they've got like a webcam set up, basically. Uh, one of the maids is like letting him just fucking perv on them from the safety of his own bed. Mm-hmm. It's like. 
That's so weird. Well, <laughs> I mean, Nick, you have to understand. He wants to uh, accompany his daughter to all of her gynecological visits until she's 18 years Ugh. old so that he can prove that she She's 19! <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is already run by. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, he wouldn't normally be hanging out in the room... Well, I guess it's because he'd be fucking busy, I guess, is the implication. So, like, if he just had free time, this is how he would be spending it. And now that he has free time because he's supposed to be relaxing, this is how he's choosing to spend it. It's so weird. The joke is that he's, like, absurdly into their relationship as like, I a know. father. But it's a joke that's gotten Look, progressively I'm just creepier saying, over time. So Thank God Yuiga's dad is dead because he'd be a weird creep, too, I bet. <laughs> Probably. The um, only dad in the series who's not a weird creep is Fumino's, uh, and he seemed to be abusive yeah, to start say, off with. He did hit his daughter at one point, so I don't know if he's the best metric for non-weird dad in the series either. Maybe it's just a series of bad dads. That should be the new series title. So yeah, there's him, and then Kirisu's uh, parents have kind of, have, are very distant from her, and... Then there's the Sumis, and there's the Gatas, and there's Suminos, and the Uyghurs is dead. So, yeah. It's, it's like a Disney movie, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Well, who would play which dad? I'm no. going to say T.I. could be a Sumi's dad. Because they just fit in. T.I. Like, kind of has been needing to be in a, <laughs> a Disney movie at some point. Um, Slash harem anime. <laughs> we'll get Leonardo DiCaprio as Fumito's dad because he's also been just waiting for the opportunity to be in a Disney movie. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so Fumino, or sorry, Asumi's stomach rumbles. So like, we brought you food. They just bring them uh, a gigantic roll of fucking sushi. I don't eat sushi. Do they even make, like, is it intentional that they're ever made this big? Because they just fucking chow down into shit like it's a goddamn kibasa. Well, I mean, this is how sushi is actually, you know, prepared. I, I know how it is, but then so, you usually chop it, like, a lot smaller. They eat this shit like a burrito. That's the entire point, is that they don't cut it so that they'll have to eat from either end of it. Yeah, well, I do appreciate that that you act, if you actually look, you can't see it as cut in half in the, yeah, in the original shot. You can see that they're just stuck back together. Yeah. I've just I've never seen someone eat a single piece of sushi that that's like that big. So that's what's shocking. Um there's sort of a weird joke about how Sumi's like, well don't I you know like I wouldn't have mind sharing one roll with you. And he's like, I I mean I guess like if we had had to and she makes like a perv dog joke. And then she starts eating her sushi and Yuego watches her and he's like I don't know why this is really attractive. And I was like, oh, because okay. she's eating sushi in a way. Nobody <laughs> eats sushi in the most. She's like, let me just like cup it with both hands and oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it just, just nibble at the tick and just like suck on it. <laughs> you, you have to understand. This is my confusion with how big the sushi is, because she really is just eating this shit like a fucking burrito where she's like, I got to fit the whole thing in my mouth at once. And I'll just slowly work it in. <laughs> uh, who eats a burrito like that? Me. Uh, I'll just you know, stick one into my mouth and just gonna. Uh, 
Yeah, I just go, oh, and I just, I, I take like a snake. I just, oh, and I just, I unhinge my jaw. I'm part, <laughs> I am part snake, and I just unhinge my what jaw. What burrito place do you go to, Chris? Uh, local ones, Nick. They don't have them down in Tallahassee or wherever you live. You have no idea where I live. Uh, Clearance Creed Water Revival or something like that? <laughs> that sure, why not? <laughs> Is that a Florida state? Maybe? Kind of. Whatever. Um, anyway, a bunch of time passes. Because they just ate these gigantic fucking sushi rolls. They're both like, oh, sleeping pills in those. It's really heavy. And they're like, hey, you know what? We're maids. How about we give you guys a power nap and a light massage? So they're like, you know what? That's fine. They've already finished cleaning the house. Why not? So they're giving them this massage. Like, wow, this feels really good. You know what? You guys just lay down for a moment. Just chillax. And then when they both like kind of like come to, they've been placed on the same bed facing each other that has added a ridiculous canopy and scented candles and rose it's petals. Very all over impressive it. that they managed to not only put out candles and rose pillows of uh, rose pillows, rose petals and two pillows, but yeah, they just fucking put a canopy over the bed. That is such a a noisy, large amount of work to do. For this one visual, but I'm sure that afterwards they're like, it's so worth it. Yeah, they're very good maids. I don't know. I, look, I've never been uh, a Japanese uh, maid hotel, whatever you ca- fucking call them, like maid cafe maid. This mm-hmm. might be part of their job description. They they might <laughs> ask, like, <laughs> how quietly can you sit up and a canopy master, bed? And would master people? like me to put the four <laughs> curtains around his table? <laughs> Uh, there's also a very strange joke too, where her dad's like, Ooh, very good. It's so dark. I can't see, but this is very exciting. You're like, I can just imagine it on. (laughs) I can just imagine it, you know, uh, Asubi's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why did you transfer my bed? Put it back. And, uh, they're all really angry and she's yelling at one of the maids. Uh, but the other maid, because again, there's no reason to differentiate these two. It's just maid. A and made dose. Uh, made dose is like, haha, she's so cute when she freaks out. Oh, hey, you know, we've known her for a really long time, and she's really shown us, like, her great sides of her personality. But, like, after she failed the test last year, she always seemed super stressed out outside of work. But now she seems a lot happier, and I'm pretty sure that's because of you. And I don't know really what happened between you two, but thanks for making our friend happier. You make us, like, you want to say something? Uh, it's cool that, uh, you know, there, I like the detail that, uh, you know, Yuiga's like, oh, isn't she, like, always like that? And and he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's like, just that way around you, you ignorant <laughs> dumbass. And he's like, oh, but I don't think I've done Kiss her. I don't really think I've done anything. I mean, you know, she's the one who's always teaching me things. But I'll say one thing, and this is when Asumi starts to catch this conversation. He says, if there's anything I can do to bring senpai happiness, I'm happy to support that always. So the other maids blush. Asumi, of course, runs in. It's like, what are you two talking about? Stop talking to him. Get away from here. Get out of here. 
but then I like she, how the other maid that uh, Asumi was in the process of uh, berating was like, oh, nice. She's like, yeah, look at that smooth devil work. And, and he's just like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad I spent time in Marine boot camps learning how to properly set up a four post canopy above a bed as completely silently as I could, because without it, this entire experiment would have gone wrong. If I were assuming, I would just be like, well, I mean, I didn't really want this, but you've you've set up the four poster. I'm keeping this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I would. If you yeah. did all that work. So why not? not? You know, <laughs> uh, but assuming he says, you know, you are super cute these days. That's not what happens. Uh, the, oh, I, sorry. It's it's made dose. The maid that. is observing them interacting while Asumi goes after you again. She's like, yeah, she really is super cute these days. And there's. Yeah. Yeah, it's super difficult to tell because the panels framed super odd where it mm-hmm. looks like Asumi's talking to Uega, but she's doing it like perpendicular to him. Like she's staring off to the wall while having a conversation with him as he's behind her like that. So odd. Anyway, the dad shows Should've up probably because um, this is something that she is thinking, not mm-hmm. saying. What probably should have happened is it should have been like, you know, in little like uh, bubbleless narration. So that way it wouldn't have looked like Asumi was talking. But anyway, uh, her dad shows up and is like, oh, yes, it's great that she has. And Naryuki's such a great boyfriend. They're like, well, we thought you were sick. He's like, yeah, but seeing you two lovebirds napping together was so cute. It motivated me to wake up and completely cured my cold. By the way, did someone just say something about having a job? And uh, that's sort of our joke at the end of the chapter is there's a lot of excitement going on as Asumi has to cover up the lie and her mom working downstairs is like, wow, that's like a lot of shit's going on upstairs. It's not really a joke that it ends on is that you I guess the joke is like Asumi's making a ruckus upstairs. That's it, because they like have the joke of, you know, like I'll I'll say this, like this chapter is not funny. Um In my opinion. Uh, but you end on the most, you know, loud, exciting uh, comedic moment of, you know, he comes in and it's just like, it was so cute. I'm not sick anymore. And then you go to a weaker joke and then you go to a weaker joke. And it's it's kind of odd uh, to have it go that way. You would think you would want to end on your actual funniest joke. Anyway. Yeah, I, I think... Then again, none of it's funny, so whatever, do whatever you want. I still appreciate the actual heartwarming moments that are kind of brought up in this chapter. It's a very sweet sentiment of, like, a friend being able to say to somebody, like, I don't really know what you've done, because we're still kind of playing this game of, like, does anybody really have an idea if is dating any of these girls or not? But just the idea of, like, I don't really know what you guys are doing, but you've made her life a lot better, it seems, and she seems a lot happier because of the time she's spending with mm-hmm. you. So even just as a friend, I really appreciate that. Like, it's a very sweet sentiment to share. By the way, uh, I commented last time that I thought it was kind of weird that there were certain girls that seemed to be getting more focus uh, than others. So I actually uh, decided to uh, do the thing that uh, any rational person would do when uh, thinking about a fictional medium and uh, I decided to write down some statistics because the only way to do this is objective analysis. Uh, in the le- I, so I decided to just you know go back in like the last half a year um, and see like who was getting like chapters focused on them. Mm. 
And it turns out it's been actually very even. So I, I retract that statement that I made before. Uh, the person who got the most chapters is Ogata because she had the storyline uh, right around five or six months ago. Um, but other than that, generally speaking, like all of the girls have had about three chapters uh, focused on them. So and then there have been, you know, like the uh, more storyline kind of focused stuff, the you know events surrounding the exam, the New Year's prayer and stuff where everyone was involved. And generally it's been about three chapters per and then a little bit more for Ogata. So mm-hmm. I guess that has been a pretty even split. Hmm. Anyhow, Dr. Stone. Chris. Time to get stoned. Yes. Very. Nothing exciting happens in this chapter. <laughs> nope. Z equals 128. Island wide battle royale. See, I mean, it just sounds boring. Yeah. Again, I guess if you if you're not a fan of battle royals, then, you know, it would probably be boring for you. Just a bunch of guys in the ring punching each other until they all fall out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so both the petrification kingdom and the kingdom of science uh, are putting their plans into effect and they're treating this as an opportunity for them. Ibarra thinks that they're going to just get everyone, uh, bathe the entire island in the light of petrification, and Senku thinks, well, if all the islanders are loaded onto the ship, then uh, this is the perfect opportunity for us. So uh, they'll, they're going to use this opportunity to show off that the master statue uh, exist and that way they'll expose Ibarra and that way he won't be able to rule anymore and they're like alright perfect and Senku thinks if we believe what Ginro thought he saw then the rightful heir to the throne is you Soyuz and so Soyuz is kind of shocked by this news and so they split off uh, into two groups they have a statue retrieval team and then the time buying team uh, Taiju is going with the uh, uh, Usuriha and it's a weird team. It's Usuriha and Soyuz and Amaryllis and Ukyo and uh, nothing against Suika, but she just kind of seems like odd to go in there. But I guess you don't want her to be in the group that's going to, you know, be approaching the ship and potentially be fighting. So yeah. everyone else is going to the other group. Uh, so. They go off to do that, and they're like, okay, first we've got to find uh, Magma. So we better find him quick before he runs out of ammo. Uh, and then Kinra's like, well, uh, but we don't know where he is. And then we just get this reaction shot of all of them running in silhouette with their eyes bugged out because they just hear from the coast, because Magma's just shooting his gun like an idiot. So, oh, there he is. Good thing he makes himself super obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh magma has managed to shoot a hole in a tiny canoe and he's like i can't hit anything with that and of course gen's like well yeah because you know you you, you shot it gangster style but he treats this as an opportunity because he has blown this hole in this canoe to uh so gen pretends that he has used sorcery to do this and so he waves his arms and is casting flower petals around and is like i have to cause a hole to appear in your boat my next hole spell will put holes in your heads and so the two of them abandon the their boat and run off and magma and gen uh take the ship and magma is rowing it off while there's still water overflowing into the boat and gets like, ah, yes, this will get us closer to Ibarra. Wait, why am I trying to help you get, get us both closer to Ibarra? This is very dangerous for me. I like how, uh, magma is like, ah, you are now my minion again. Also, he seems to be using 
I'm not sure if he's stepping on Gen to prevent him from getting out of the boat or if he's using him to plug up the hole. Either way, I like it. Uh, so they start to row in towards the ship. Uh, the others end up... Uh, <laughs> they take over another boat and they rush after Magma. Um, a whole bunch of stuff happens. Uh, I don't know if they are, whatever we cut over to the other group. Uh, Ukyo sets a bunch of the forest on fire with some arrows so that they can, uh, get in undetected. Uh, they get up to the place where the master statue is, but before Ibarra left to enact his plan, he broke the statue, shattered it into dozens of pieces. And Ibarra's like, you know, it, it was really convenient having him around because the silhouette would help to, me to fool people. But it was necessary because I can't have the invaders, you know, discovering that evidence. So I'll just have someone carve a replica. I mean, he could have done that from before, but whatever. <laughs> it's a lot of uh, work. He had a lot of things to do. Uh, so everyone freaks out for a little bit. But Yuzuriha says, it's all right. Uh, we still have the glue that Senku made for the kingdom of science. And so they're like, all right, we can do this. Uh, but user says oh, some of the, the cross sections are old and worn and the parts are weathered and some are broken. So that means that he can't be revived. Uh, so so use looks down at the hand, which is in one big solid chunk, and he reaches out for it and he has baby memories. I just straight up like he's a baby and he remembers uh, his father reaching out for him. And so you use cries while saying, you know, I'm sorry that it took me 20 whole years to remember, but now it's all coming back. Everything, father. And he holds up the hand as if he is holding hands with his dead father. It's a nice, nice little visual. Now that I know my true power, baby memories, no one will be able to stop me. Not even uh, Abara. Hashtag Soyuz. <laughs> oh no, he's gonna become way more annoying to deal with. <laughs> uh, Ray's not strong. This dude's got some actual muscles on him. I don't know. That's right. If I just have to shave my head, put a weird scar on me, and then uh, get super ripped and uh, ultimate ray. People don't so. understand. I'm transplanting myself with a different series. I'm going kind of down in significance at first, but eventually I'll be Zoro and no one will be able to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets determined after he has this emotional moment and he says, I know that the revival fluid can't bring you back, but I remember what you looked like. So my friends and I can piece you back together to just how you once were. Uh, we cut back over to the other group. Uh, they were able to catch up with Magma um, right as both boats arrive on uh, the Perseus. And so everyone is like, all right, let's do this. Everyone has their own uh, little objectives that they're going through. Senku's like, we're going to get, you know, buy time. Kenro says that the spear of time will buy all the time we need. Magma says, I'm going to put some holes in big bad boss Ibarra. And Nikki says, and I'm going to stop that more before he runs out of ammo. And uh, that's where we leave off the chapter. Exciting. Very much so. Um, I have a comment. Uh, maybe it's just because Good. I, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe it's just because I don't remember too much about her. But did, uh, did Breachy like Nami up Nikki sometime between us last seeing her. Cause the panel where she knocks that dude out, 
I was like, mm-hmm. who's the chick with the gigantic cans? I, I don't. And I was like, oh, that's Nikki. I was like, I don't remember Nikki looking like this before. She, yeah, I get I get what you mean looking at that picture because she like, looks very she thin. She looks thin. Her chest. She looks very hourglassy. Yeah. Uh, taking a look at a picture of her from before, she did seem a bit thicker. She did always kind of have the hourglass shape to her, but she just, I guess it's, well, it might best be the angle that we see her from, because I think a lot of her buffness shows up in her arms and legs as opposed to her actual torso. Like, I, I know she was always kind of larger, but... In this situation, it feels like none of that is accentuated except the chest. So that's where I was like, who is this character? And I was like, I mean, it <laughs> looks like Nikki, but. I think a lot of it is the angle that we're seeing her from. But she had, I mean, she's always been busty, but I think that I'm not saying you're wrong, basically. It might be deliberate on Boichi's part. He's just like, I've gone so long without without Kohaku to cheesecake on. To the, ah. He's like, I'm just going to do it. I don't care. Like, wow, Suiko, where'd you get that rack? He's just like, gonna, I just had to. We're just going to see, like, you know, eventually there's going to be, you know, a whole bunch of chapters in a row with just, like, all male characters. And eventually one of them is just going to, like, have boobs. They're like, Chrome, wow, nice tits. Yeah. <laughs> Look at those legs. They go on for days. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. So we are going to jump now into Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man. That's the new thing. Uh, For those of you who don't, who haven't been keeping up chapter to chapter uh, previously, um, in the part that we didn't talk about when we just talked about the series of the whole as a whole last time, uh, Denji had uh, gotten close to a girl named Breeze phrase. It's spelled R E Z E. Anyway, turned she, she wanted him to uh, leave the organization and join her. He didn't want to do that because despite the fact that they had gotten close to her, his loyalties still lie pretty much with Makima. So, she revealed herself as the bomb devil and tried to kill him so that she could get the chainsaw devil's core, which is what she was after for the entire time. Fortunately, the shark devil had been monitoring Denji, and so uh, he has jumped in to intervene and try and rescue him. So they're fighting now, uh, and uh, the shark devil tries to stop her. Uh, he grows his head really big to try and bite her, and she just touches his upper jaw and an explosion goes off. And she just completely no sells him having any chance of uh, trying to fight her off. Fortunately, at that moment, some random civilian devil hunters show up and they're like, we kill devils with bats and machetes. Apparently this will work. I like that. This is this chick literally has a gigantic bomb for a head. She's cut like her, her arms at this point just look like tendrils, like fuses, essentially long fuses. And she's just decked out in all this attire. And they walk up, they're just like, oh, it looks like some ruffians just got into our neighborhood. I guess we'll hit it with a bat a bunch and kill it. <laughs> like, 
I don't. I mean, I guess if that's the world you're living in, like you'd get this false sense of There's confidence. It, yeah. But I'm like, I don't know how you look at that thing and you're like, Yo, Joey, did you bring that rolling pin? Good. We got everything we need. Let's take this I guy out. I got my frying pin. <laughs> There's a couple lumps in it from the last thing we beat up, but we can take down this bomb devil no problem. <laughs> It's no good for cooking no more, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, you and me, Shirley, we made so many omelets together, but now you're going to be breaking skulls like omelets now. I, I hope mean, he we, laughs. We, we, killed, we, we, killed, we killed the devil. Couldn't we have used the money to buy you a new frying pan? Nope. <laughs> I only own one thing of everything in my life. One That's shirt. why I only have one shoe and one sock. <laughs> one one shirt, one pair of underwear, one shoe. <laughs> one one application to toothpaste, like does the whole tube of toothpaste count? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Just one application of it. Every day I gotta go to the store and pay five twenty nine for a new tub of toothpaste. This is why my one to- thing out. <laughs> Is why my toothbrush only has one bristle on it. It's how it works. <laughs> my comb only has one tooth on it. <laughs> my pants have only one leg. It's okay. I got my one <laughs> pants from Zack Ryder when he changed the tires. <laughs> so I managed to get a pretty good deal out it of it. It was actually a really good uh, idea on my part because it's spandex. Therefore, it doesn't require a zipper because the zipper would only have one tooth. Very yeah. inconvenient. <laughs> you know, it's very difficult for me to purchase things only having one bill in my wallet at every one point in time. <laughs> also, I've only got one fingernail. I am in a constant state of pain. <laughs> Wouldn't you only have one finger? No, then I won't be able to swing my one frying pan. <laughs> You're like, yeah, two get it eyes. through your head, guys. <laughs> you have two eyes. Well, the devil you say. Well, let me handle that one right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's just completely arbitrary about what he wants and what he doesn't want. He's like, now that you say it, I guess I could never see my eyes. But now that you say, yeah, let's let's scoop that one out with my one spoon. Shouldn't you just only be able to? Shit one time. No, don't be ridiculous. That's not how the human body works. <laughs> You're insane. Anyway. Maybe I'm the devil. <laughs> I'm the one devil. You know, I bet if you guys came at me with baseball bats and frying pans, you would be able to kill me. <laughs> but only if you had more than one of them. Yeah. We would. Oh. Anyway. Sounds like you're cheating. Rees just flicks her fingers and casts a little beam of light at one of the civilian devil hunters. It explodes and presumably kills them because we see a splatter of blood afterwards. Oh no, my one lung. (laughs) No wonder he was ineffective. He only had one (laughs) kidney, (laughs) but this minor distraction has enabled the shark devil to get enough time to get Denji away he heads over to a nearby base uh, for the organization where he is training a bunch of recruits uh, for Division 2. Uh, an old uh, buddy, I guess, of his is trying to say like, hey, you know, we've, we, we, we hear all these stories about the special division, but, you know, I'm going to make vice captain in like five years. When I do that, uh, I'm just going to lure all you guys back. You can count on that. And uh, so... Kyoka's like, I will not tell this guy that, uh, no, Kyo, 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 Kyo. his name is weird, Ryok. I'll figure it out later. Anyway, 
He doesn't say that he's going to to die before that happens, but the angel devil afterwards is just like, you haven't told him you're going to die in five years, but within five years. Uh, and he's like, who told you that? Power told me. Oh, okay, fine. I guess she just, she just decided, felt like talking about it, so she did. You know what? That sounds about right for her. The angel devil comments that he wishes that he could die soon, but because as long as he is alive, he has to keep working. And when I'm dead, I won't have to anymore. Aki. That's, that's like a real 2019. Aki. Aki. He's, he's just Aki. Is it just Aki? Yeah, they just what's say this, what's this They name? literally Yokimaru? say it at the bottom of that page. The dude yeah, comes in and it says a... Aki. Well, isn't it like short for something? Who cares? Who Love cares? It. He. Uh, the shark devil has arrived and saying that he was with the special division. So he's like, oh, hey, what, what happened? Because he's you know holding Denji's beaten up one handed. Ah, you see Denji's ahead of the curb right hey, there. One like, hand. I only need one hand. I got to live on when my brother fell. So uh, he's like, what happened to, to Denji? And the shark devil is like, bomb gun devil ally. And Aki's like, how do you know about that? And Shark Devil's like, Urgh. and I was like, I can kill you right now if you don't answer the question. And he's like, if I tell you, I will be killed. I promised Lady Makiba. He's like, oh, all right. But the Bomb Devils are, arise. They look out the open doorway that I guess nobody shut behind the, the Shark Devil. And yeah, Reese is approaching. And uh, some random. So the guy who was talking to Aki earlier is just like, you can't come any closer, pretty lady. It's not the time. Like, this is our training facility. It's off filming to civilians. And Reese is like, hello, help, there's a devil after me. And she's got this big blushing smile on her face while she's approaching in her normal human form. Uh, and like, and immediately they're like, that was a pretty big smile for someone who's supposedly being attacked by a devil. So I'm glad that there wasn't any like, no, ma'am, you need to leave. You need they're to leave. Like, I'm going to approach you because you need to leave. Oh, no, I'm dead. You know, they're, yeah. just immediately, they're just immediately like, She's suspicious. <laughs> like, in another world, this is like, well, everything about this raises a lot of red flags, but she is pretty cute. So maybe if I help her out, she'll let me like see her boobs or something like that. And then he gets blown up because he got too close. Like how both characters just like, all right, let's well, not, not fall for this one. Uh, so they talk about like if they know know her. um. I guess that the implication is that uh, fucking he thinks that uh, he might recognize Reese, I guess, because he's like, have you seen her before? And Aki just kind of dismissed this by saying, like, what, you're skirt chasing now? And he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. Could that be? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, they go back inside <laughs> and they're calling all the agents to alert them to the perimeter breach. And Reese's like, oh, well. It didn't work. Let's I'll just kill them all. And she goes for the pin on her neck, which triggers her transformation. I do really like her uh, little uh, the little touch of the grenade pin. She pulls in order to transform into her devil form. It's cool. So Yeah, I guess this is setting up a another big bloody battle, which is a pretty regular thing for Chainsaw Man. So I like how uh, much Reese has been built up as a very formidable uh, opponent, too, though, because she just completely destroy the shark devil uh, before uh, he away. so what are the chances that scarface guy dies in this encounter uh i could definitely see a kind of thing where like you know he 
he dies and as he's dying, he tries to warn Aki about the thing that he realized about her. I mean, nobody in this entire facility aside from Denji and Aki is important. So, yeah. What about the angel devil, Nick? How dare you? I don't care. All right. <laughs> he was introduced at the same time as the shark devil. Who cares? Sure. <laughs> like... All right. Let's talk about seven deadly sins. Wow. Well, he wishes he could die. So God, don't we all seven deadly sins. Chapter three thirty one mortal enemies. So I mentioned last week that we're, we're kind of in a place where uh, seven deadly sins kind of just doing its victory lap. Well, this is the one where they kind of cross over the finish line, basically, because this mm-hmm. is. All the seven deadly sins just whoop the shit out of the demon lord. Like, it starts off with looking like he's maybe going to do one big attack. He does this death zero thing. Everyone's like, ah, I kind of Oh, hurt. no. But then Merlin casts a big spell that's like, hey, all of your limits are now broken. You're up tillion times stronger than you normally should be. And everyone gets to show off one of their big, strong, super awesome attacks. The demon lord's like, you won't, you can't do that because of my magic, the ruler. And Merlin's like, I powered up Gauther so we can just turn off your magic. And they do that. And he's like, there sees the giant, like, oh, bullshit. Yeah, he sees like the giant boar, like, orb coming towards him. He's like, oh no, my sons, will you abandon me? And it looks like Melodius dashes forward and reflects the ball away with full counter. And the demon lord's like, oh, son, your stupidity has saved me. And tries to, like, kill him with his tongue immediately, which I fucking love. He doesn't even <laughs> win a second. He's being he like, such a heel. He's <laughs> like, oh, you've saved me. Now you will die. And, of course, it's an illusion. The real Melodius is like, you know what? I'm glad in your last moment you also revealed yourself to be just as much of a dickhead as we all thought you were. So I can kind of kill you now with any regrets. Do you remember, like, in Dragon Ball when in dragon ball z when goku kept on giving frieza second chances during that fight you know he's like i'll let him power up to 100 percent i'll give him some of my energy when he's cut himself in half and then freeze immediately as soon as the chance comes freeze like i have a chance to kill him and he goes for it you know it's it's the ultimate like he's such he, he's evil to the point of incompetence basically <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's it's almost endearing that in his last moment it's him being like, ha I'm saved! I shall devour you now! It's the dick dastardly thing where like if you would just stop being evil, you would be better off, but you are blinded by how big of a dick you are that you can't even see that what the best thing for you would be. <laughs> so, Melodius begins knocking the giant super attack around with full counter, and he sends it through the Demon Lord several times, then dashes behind it, uses full counter on it, and basically just starts ping-ponging it across the Demon Lord's body, taking out gigantic chunks of him over and over again. And he's like, no, wait, if you do this, there's no telling what will happen to Britannia, it's too strong! And Melodius is like, hey, is this angle good? Merlin says, yep, do it. He does his big final full counter so long father seven deadly sins combo move nemesis and he just fucking blows the demon lord up. We see an enormous explosion then we cut to white as we see a visage of Melodius who is now in his demon form but wearing white Mm -hmm. and for what I think is the first time without any kind of helmet or anything like Mm -hmm. that we see an old man who is the form of the demon lord who says you will come to regret this, Melodius. The age of light and dark will end, and you have what you have invited us to 
Well, you already know, Melia says. It's just what I wanted, and we see the Demon Lord fade away. Something's been invited, Chris. Could this mean another arc? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> It'd be great if he's like, what you have invited is King Arthur back into the universe. Like, phew, all the loose ends are tied now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but Meliodas, now that you have dealt with the Ten Commandments, Nick's demand for the Seven Holy Virtues showing up is happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, 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 it was what it was. Like, it's... I don't have a lot to say. This was just to, to be like, here's the big super ultra mega ultimate technique. Uh, and it was pretty cool to see Melia just like, yes, my method of beating you is just to reflect something back and forth over and over as it gets stronger and stronger, ping-ponging it through your body. Eh, all right. Yeah, I, I thought it was, it was a cool way to do it. Everybody got their little moment to shine. Like, even though we didn't bring them up individually, it's like, okay, like, I get that we're kind of finishing up here, so this is the big moment you kind of want everyone to have. So it works. Mm. Um, it just doesn't feel like there's a lot to say because... You know, we've we've been to this at this point already, so kind of ready for Seven Deadly Sins to start wrapping up. Yes. All right, let's move over to the Promised Neverland, which we did not have last week. Uh, hey, the, the, the queen's still alive. She emerged from her cocoon of faces. That's a normal thing. She has no face herself. That's a normal thing. Uh, the connection that Emma makes is that it uh, resembles the figures that they saw in the temple. So that's an interesting note. Um, and so Ray's like, that's still the queen, right? Uh, and I mean, she seems to clearly have the queen's memories because she's like, ah, joy. All of them together are right in front of me when I wake up. The three highest grade from Gracefield Plan 3. How joyful. Just like he said, you are all alive. And uh, she's like, you are all going to return to me. And then she says, I shall devour all of you. She doesn't say that. She says it in a way that uh, makes more sense in Japanese than in English because the important word is devour. And you, and you want to have that be at the end when she attacks Zazie on the next page. So she had to say, all of you, I shall devour, which is a way that nobody fucking talks. But it makes more sense in Japanese when that is how sentences are structured. Uh -huh. Anywho, she just suddenly appears in front of Zazie with an arm wrapped around him. And uh, he attacks her and fucking cuts her in half. And she immediately regenerates and then just kind of. And uh, knocks him into the goddamn wall. So she's super strong now. All the poison. Nothing's happened. She's not weakened after the fighting Gielan's army. She's not uh, fatigued from all of the poison. And uh, also. She got cut in half and uh, there was no problem and there was not even anything inside of her body. There was no brain. There was no organs, seemingly. Uh, and so Norman starts freaking out as he realizes all of this. And then she's and he's like, what are we supposed to do? Does she have no core? But Ray's like, no, dummy. She clearly has a core. You fall. Duh. Um, so they're like, OK. We need to approach this like we did with Luvis and just shoot her until we learn what to do. That's a great plan. But this, oh, there's so much pressure, so much spirit pressure on them. Her, her, her keto is so powerful. She's got so much chakra. 
her presence is very intimidating, I guess. So she approaches them and they aren't shooting because they're just so terrified. Um, but at that moment, a bunch of spears come down and pierce through the queen because in a, from a hole in the wall, Sonju and Mujika have shown up uh, because they were able to follow the uh, tracer thing that uh, uh, was given to them. Yay. So uh, Mujiga explains to Emma that uh, the town is mostly OK now. Then the citizens are now distributing some of her blood, so they should be able to to fix everything. Uh, Sonju says that uh, Don and Gilda are going on an escape route and they should be out of the capital soon. So, hey, everything's going cool outside. Now to deal with the queen. Uh, and so Sonju's like, she's finally become a monster, both inside and out. Emma, Ray, she's hopeless. You won't be able to achieve peace, let alone negotiate. So they're like, well, okay. And Mujika turns to Emma is like, so everyone's dead, I see. <laughs> no negotiation, I guess, uh, especially since the Verk and Pupo are dead. Uh, the queen reacts to Sanju's presence by saying, I never would have imagined you take the side of the humans. A curious turn of events. All right, well, I'll just kill you and everything's going to be go, go great now. Uh, Sonju says, we came here to finish this. And Mujika says, let's end this. We've been running for 700 years. It's been long enough. And Sonju says, I'm going to kill you, your majesty. And the queen says, kill. You will kill me. A true fool you are, younger brother. I don't really care. Uh, I mean, it's interesting to now get some context as to who Sanju is, which also sort of explains why he's so crazy strong, since it's sort of explained a royal family is just on that level after seeing what the Queen's done. So it's cool to that regard, and it does make sense that if you're like, hey, we, you know, we, we can't have Zazie and them save everybody or anything like that like that that can't be the scenario that happens we've already kind of shown that they're outclassed here then it's like yeah i guess the only person that really could logically intervene is sanju who's the only kind of character whose strength is sort of left undefined and unexplained so far so i like it um i'll have to see exactly what this all means but i i, I dig it <clears throat> I don't know. This is, this is still reminding me of the Eisen fight that, like, as we mentioned la last time when we talked about the series in terms of like, oh, it's dead. No, she just, you know, put, put herself in a cocoon and achieved a stronger form, that kind of thing. And also there is we saw it with Gielan, uh in terms of like she's fighting a character and then right at that moment we get their backstory dump so that you care about them when they die. And now it seems like that's kind of going to happen again with Sanju. It's like, ah, she's finding a character. Uh, let's explain some backstory so you care about them uh, so as this plays out. And I'm just kind of sick of this fight, and I want it to end. Yeah, so. that is fair. All right, let's move on then to Black Clover, page 227. The all-knowing priestess. So Asta flies through the water shower, goes to attack the woman on the throne, says, Ha, you're here, and sees a doll. But he totally sent someone's key in there. Well, look behind. There's a giant bear, like, plush bed, and a woman on it who's like, Oh, sorry, the, you know, the beaver just felt so good on my skin. And she, she bumps into him and, like, kind of headbutts him accidentally. And then... He gets swept away by a bunch of water. 
And the uh, Undine's water spirit comes up and is like, honestly, Loro Pachika, which fuck that name. <laughs> I'm going to call her Carly, like yeah. Carly from Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds, because she looks just like Carly from Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds. Uh, she's like, why don't you change out your pajamas? She's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And she puts on the nerdy spiral glasses that shows you somebody's a nerd. And everyone's like, what? That's the princess of the heart kingdom? Well, to be fair, Sekre doesn't. Sekre exposes no emotion. It's just Asta. He's alone here right now. Uh, we cut back to other dude, who I don't remember, after being attacked, and he has survived using magic to defend himself. You know, it's like, if I hadn't, that'd have gotten pretty ugly. But everyone else is gone. Now then, where are they? And we just see him, like, zip into the air, zip pivot away, and then, boof, he sees the three of them hiding in a tree, and he's already there. And everyone's like, holy shit! And he kneels down, and he's like, I apologize. I was compelled to fight you in order to assess your magic stages. And we get a very long explanation about magic stages and their significance to everything. Magic stages are very important. Magic stages go up to their levels. Uh, kingdom strength is denoted by how many strong mages they have. You can't even fight a devil unless you're going to be stage one and be of any significance. Uh, it matters how many stage zero mages your country has. Uh, all these things are, are super important. Uh, eventually, Ast interrupts and is like, Hey, uh, we're not really here for that. <laughs> we're here to find out about this curse trail. And Odin's like, Oh, well, nobody should know My about boobs that. are huge. Yeah, I'm glad you are viewing me from down below. Uh, I, how do they know about this? There's there's nobody I would tell them. And uh, Loro Paquita or whatever lifts up her shirt. And she's like, yep, that's me. I got cursed by a devil. If things stay this is. way, I've got a year to live. And As is like, huh? And Udine's like, huh? And Loro Paquita's like, and I fucking hate this arc and everything about it already. <laughs> uh, she just, Undine starts chastising, like, why did you tell them? She's like, oh, what do you mean? What? And she's like, you know what? I, I get it. You brought it here. You know, we measured your powers. Uh, in order to defeat Megacula, the, the demon who cursed Loro Pachika, you guys have a personal interest in this matter as well. And we see Loro's eyes get very wide. She's like, citizens of the Clover Kingdom, join us in. And she abruptly stops and asks, like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, I forgot to water the tree. So she runs away. It's very silly. And then we see she basically creates all these different scenes on the waterfall that they were staring at. And she goes into full nerd mode. And she's like, ah, yes, water over here, water over there. Basically, she's, she's also checking on animals and people and yeah. yeah. So she's doing all this stuff. Sekrae's kind of doing like, wow, this is incredible. She's controlling everything. She's viewing the entire country all at once. You know, the all encompassing, uh, all encompassing benevolence combined with delicacy that doesn't miss a thing. So this is the magic of the Cart Kingdom's princess. And Undine's like, all right, you've done that now actually get dressed into something proper, right? So they put her in her real attire, her real robes, and she loses her glasses, and I feel like she gains a beauty mark that she didn't really have. As she did. It just kind of disappears into certain scenes. But she she looks far more stunning than she did before. And they're like, hey, you know what? 
we we you know we we can't lose this person to a devil's curse. We need to make sure someone this noble stays alive. I like the comment that because she's like, yeah, you look better now, and then the princess is just like, it's hard to move. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, she trips, and Ast is like, oh, I get it. Your klutziness is part of the curse. And she's like, nope, that's just me. What's the matter, Chris? I fucking hate this arc already. (laughs) This character just got torpedoed so hard in a single chapter. We cut away to Luck, Magna, and Vanessa, who are hanging out in the Diamond Kingdom. I'm not really sure why. The king's been mind-controlled. No need to really interfere there. (laughs) And they watch as this horrific scene has unfurled around them as we see what looks like probably dozens of members of the Diamond Kingdom's forces have been defeated. Many potentially killed? I'm not sure. Who really knows? There's a lot of Um, blood coming out of some of their heads, so... Yeah, uh, but all all of them were defeated by a single person with a spade uh, sigil upon their back. And they're like, whoa, this guy... Some of those guys were as tough as captains. Uh, And Luck is like breathing heavily and Vanessa's like don't get any weird ideas Lucky's like oh no 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 I know this is weird for me to say but I really don't want to fight that guy so yeah there, there are th- things about this ever since they actually landed in the kingdom things have kind of gone downhill uh, there's been some there was some interesting stuff in terms of like oh the princess looks mysterious and stuff only to have the reveal be is, oh, she's just a wacky character. It's like, all right, fine. Um, there's all the magic scale stuff, which seems completely unimportant. Like, you don't, I understand that, like, you know, there's an interesting note of, like, a kingdom's strength is not in how many people it has, but in how many really strong people it has. Um, you know, it, it's like, okay, fair enough. But, the whole putting numbers on it thing is like, this is just something that I really hope goes away after they're gone from this place and we never have to think about it again. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it will be referenced at some point because we've we've kind of reached the point where character strength can't be fully quantified by whether or not they're the captain of a division or something like that. And you need some way to differentiate characters as being super duper strong or whatever. So it's going to have to exist. Hopefully it's just not pounded into the head over and over again, but it seems like it's going to be here to at least some extent. I do at least appreciate that the demonstration of Laura Pachica's uh, abilities is that, you know, she is a strong mage, but she is not a combat mage. Her strength isn't being able to take care of her kingdom uh, with, with this ability of hers. And for, I mean, like, the only other thing, I mean, like, we've seen, you know, like, you know, Finral's strength is being able to coordinate with his teammates, but it's always in terms of combat. Um, and most of it has, you know, healing magic, but it's like, yeah, well, that makes her a good combat medic. Not everything has to be in terms of like, okay, we're getting ready to go fight, basically. This is something that is, for once, actually used in, like, this is a very valuable thing that is used in a part of life other than just war, so... I like that. Yeah, I I think the part that 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 kills this chapter for me is just how it's not necessarily that Laura Pachika is silly, is that she's silly in a way 
that feels like it's been done far too often before that it was a series that specifically is existing in like medieval times but it was like we still found a way to have a geeky nerd girl in the series to have your you know futaba in the series with the hacker girl who stares in front of a billion computers that does a thousand things at once and she's super clumsy too because if you don't have time to write a good character if you just make her clumsy then it's relatable and it just feels generic and boring for a character that kind of felt cool when they were built up to not really have all that much interesting about them afterwards. It doesn't even mm. seem like we're actually going to be spending time in the heart kingdom, that this was kind of just a quick introduction before we deal with the spade kingdom, because that's where the actual big danger is. Guess we'll see. All right, let's move on to one piece. Chapter 961, the mountain God incidents before we get into the chapter proper. Just a little comment about this whole uh, Capone thing that's been going on in the cover pages. Uh, I don't have anything to say about the actual events. I just want to point out that for some goddamn reason, this guy that one of Beige's men uh, is holding, it, it's, it's the Pieta, like you know, the way that the guy's draped over his arms. It's like, that's okay. Weird little reference there. Uh, so previously, Kiamon had stolen the, the little white boar piglet uh and as a result this massive boar which is the mountain god is starting to rampage around wano and uh odin has just told him to give him the boar and so kinemon's like this thing is really valuable i'm not gonna do that i'm i I, I use this guy to pay off my debts and stuff and get a fortune going and uh the sunglasses guy who's with him is like oh kazuki odin's here and he starts fanboying out over him uh, everyone has realized what is happening because uh, because the mountain god has come down. They're like, this must mean that somebody has kidnapped one of his children and brought it here. Uh, so they're like, we've got to calm the mountain god's anger. We must find the little white boar and ret- it must be returned to the mountain or else the city will be destroyed. Meanwhile, the mountain god starts destroying the city. It's very, very big. And it just starts eating things. As in building things with people inside of them. So... They're like, oh, my God, you know, know, hurry. My my daughter is in the boar's belly. This is horrible. Um, Kinemon ends up running into the guy that one of the guys that he stole the the, uh, piglet from. And he's like, aha, the boar napper. And the other guy's like, you boar napped it after us. How dare you? Uh, And and he he says that uh, the god is following the piglet scent. And they say that they never thought that this would actually happen. Uh, he says, my two buddies had the scent of the boar on their clothes and the mountain god ate them. And uh, it also ate Otsuru. Oh, no. So Kinemon's freaking out, freaks out over that. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, see, we were going to steal the white boar back from you. So we took her hostage and we're coming down the mountain and then everyone got eaten and it's all your fault. <laughs> It's like, you stole it in the first place. <laughs> yeah, do. So immediately, uh, Kinemon just drops the boar, takes out his sword, and runs off to confront the the mountain god. And uh, he has a series of flashbacks about you know his conversations with uh, with Suru, uh, you know, uh, her apologizing on his behalf and paying back for the stuff that he had stolen. Her warning him that he was going to get himself killed one day. The fact that he should stop trying to, you know, 
leave this life, get a real job and stop getting involved with the Yakuza scolding him and all this stuff. And while he's doing all this, he's just going on this blind rampage. He runs up the boar's mouth and cuts into its face. Keep in mind, one of its eyeballs is bigger than his entire body. Uh, And uh, he has basically no effect. He keeps on attacking it, but eventually just shakes him off while he demands that uh, it gives Sura back. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what happens. Uh, I think that it just kind of headbutts him and uh, crushes him. So after that, um, he's lying on the ground thinking about what's going to happen to Suru. And then he's like, oh, if Suru dies here, then I should die too. But... Because he had dropped the bar, Odin was able to get it. And so he just holds the p- little piglet up into the air, calling out to the mountain god. And they're like, oh, that asshole did it again. And uh, so Odin just declares like he, he that, yeah, I felt like having some boar stew. Uh, everyone is blaming him for all the people that were eaten up, uh, you know, calling out. Oh, you know, give me my mother back. Give me my daughter back. How could you do this? Such a such a thing. And Kinemon is thinking like, it's not him. It's it's my fault. It's not his. And then Odin takes out his swords and uses a two sword style technique to cut through um, many toothy things. Several of the boar's teeth end up getting cut out as a result of the attack. Uh, Hyogro witnesses this happening. He's like, all right, let's go. Orders his men uh, forward. And we don't really see what happens after this point. There is a crash. And then we cut to afterward. They said that the people in buildings swallowed whole by the beast made up a full size town on their own. The capital lost an entire quarter of its size, but there were miraculously no fatalities. So I guess they got it to vomit them up. I would presume that with it, not having any teeth anymore that it felt kind of neutered that they were able to just have the people walk out or something like that. We specifically don't show the creature being killed. So this Mm -hmm. very well might be a creature that returns in the current Wano arc in some fashion as well. Are we going to see a giant boar fight Kaido's dragon form and just have a kaiju battle? <laughs> we might, because I, I when I think back to Skypea, you remember that the snakes were a part of that backstory and then were mm. a relevant part of the big story as well. So I don't know, it may play a part. Or if not that boar, then the young one that grow up, yeah. Yeah, something like that. It says here Odin cut it in half. Okay. Hello. Hmm. I guess he was very careful when cutting it in half. Uh, Cyril reunites with Kinemon. Everyone's like, oh, man, Odin sure looked cool, but what an asshole. He caused all this. I mean, but he was so awesome. (laughs) Kinemon tries to take the blame for what happened. He just makes this big uh, thing, you know, shouts out, hey, everyone, I've got to tell you what really happened. Uh, But uh, Odin just bops him on the head. He's like, don't do anything stupid. So. Um, at that moment, the vassal who was given the disownment sheet of paper uh, delivers it to Odin. And he's like, all right, I've been banished. OK, well, all this means is that you or rather the capital itself is unable to contain my greatness. So disown away. I shall cross to a new riverbank wherever the sun sets. That shall be my bed. I'm hungry. The mountain god incident happened when Odin was just 18 years old. Uh, so. 
Odin sets off. Kinemon is crying, and Suru is like, "Are you are you crying?" He's like, "No, listen to me, Yotsuru. I would die for that man." And tears are streaking down his face. Denjiro is also like, "Yeah," uh, and so they rush off after Odin to follow him out of uh, the capital and become Odin's followers. Several of the men watching this are like, it must be nice to be as free as they are. I wish I could go too. All right. Uh, They say that the one hesitant step of all the men who wished they could go with Odin caused the cabinet itself to tilt ever so slightly. And you actually see this like happen. Like the cabinet actually goes slip and kind of bends a little bit. It's such a fucking bombastic and cool way of phrasing this. All the people too hesitant to go over ended up tilting the entire capital. Like, it's such a fucking cool way of phrasing it, too. Yeah. It's because it sounds both moderate and not. So. So. That has happened. We then cut over to Hakamai in Wano. Uh, where Odin is being greeted uh, and that uh, Lord Yasuye is awaiting his arrival. And uh, then Odin's like, no, he wasn't. And Yasuye is right. No, I haven't been waiting because who would wait around in hopes of seeing an idiot who was banished from the capital? Okay. It's harsh, but all right. So it's the young Yasuye uh, who says that uh, he's like, "What, what the hell do you want? And also, why do you have people following you around? Uh, but at that moment, someone comes rushing in between the two of them and throws himself onto a puddle of water. He's like, oh, now, now you may tread upon my back. And Odin's just like, Can you get rid of this guy. He's a, a weird little creep. <laughs> and uh, you is like, oh, that's my new manservant. And the manservant says, yes, I'm honored to be in Lord Yasuye's service. I am but a humble manservant by the name of Orochi. Dun, dun, dun. Very cool little lore bits in there. Mm-hmm. Presumably, this is not going to just be the tale of uh, of Odin, but also of uh, how Orochi uh, rose to power. Rose to power, or at the very least, uh, got this this uh, hatred of uh, Odin's family ingrained into him. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, in, in, interesting. You know, lore chapter. I do like, yeah, the moment of uh, just like the people freaking out over how cool Odin is. I like that. You know, it's it's just a full blown, super ridiculous, like women want to be with him, men want to be him kind of thing. And you know, we were talking about you know when the flashback started, like, like uh, hide your daughters, hide your wives. Like, what are they just? Is he gonna have sex with them? And then we find out the next chapter. Yes, that is what the danger is. They want to have sex with them. And then all the guys are like, he's so cool. God, he caused all this trouble, but he's such a man. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. I look for. I look forward to seeing more from this. I'm into this after we've gotten the few uh, first couple of chapters of this flashback. Yeah, I'm digging it. All right, that is gonna do it for weekly manga recap, everyone. So we're going to close off now by declaring our favorites this week. Favorite chapter in MVP. Uh, I'll just be quick. My favorite chapter is One Piece. I think this is probably the only chapter that really felt like super fun in the chapters we read this week. Maybe I guess Chainsaw Man would be like the other alternative, but nothing else really felt like it was mm. super worth it in my mind. Uh, and my character of the week by that same regard is Odin, just because Odin looks super cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give mine to Eden Zero. 
Um, there were a few good chapters this week, but a lot of unexceptional ones. I really liked Dr. Stone. I actually did really like uh, Chainsaw Man. Um, and I did like One Piece quite a lot as well. That would probably be my second choice. But I think in terms of the quality we actually got from Eden Zero, the emotion we got from it, and also just my surprise that Hero is at the very least currently sticking with this path. I mean, we'll just start the timer, you know, like in terms of how far it how long it takes in order to reverse in this decision. But still, it's like, hey, I mean, you didn't do it within the same chapter. Uh, and that the, the, it deserves credit for that. Of the like, Valkyrie's dead. End of the chapter. Ah, Valkyrie's here. You know, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, MVP. Rather. So the audience, uh, this is something that we're not going to get because while we will be adding Act H to the recap, yes. we haven't gotten to that yet. And uh, the audience is pretty unanimous that Act H was the favorite chapter of the week. And Riko Ogami from Act H was the character of the week. So. That Fair is enough. one we'll probably understand. Similar to the way Chainsaw Man and Reze were like the winners a couple weeks ago before we um, had caught up with it. A few it. months like, ago was Power and Chainsaw yeah, Man. Yeah, yeah like we'll, we'll understand as we get there probably why it's super cool. Uh, my MVP, by, by the way, I'm actually going on the uh, opposite end on the One Piece chapter and saying uh, Kinemon. So. Okay. All right. That is going to do it. For weekly manga recap, do we have uh, our suggestion picked out then, Chris? We do. So I I debated a lot about what I wanted to do here because I was like, I kind of we've we've had some heavy topics recently on the show, and we've we've jumped to some big stuff, and I wanted to just kind of keep things simple. So I'm going with something that I feel like I I, I feel like I recall reading the first couple chapters of at one point in time being like oh this is some garbage so we're gonna see if it is we're gonna be reading buster keel which was the series written by uh kishimoto's little brother after o parts on her i believe and mm. from what i remember it is painfully trying to be fairy tale back oh, when that was good. the biggest thing around so i'm looking forward to again I remember it being super obvious at the time, but who knows? You know, we'll see. So Buster Keel will be the next recommendation. Buster Keel. All right. This was recommended, by the way, by the Great Rapsode. Okay. I, I was looking at I was looking at the uh <laughs> the little information about it and it was like uh it ran from two thousand eight to twenty twelve with forty seven chapters. And I was like, wait, wait, oh monthly. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of weird schedule is that? <laughs> yeah, it just does it kind of what it feels like, you know, it's like a Daniel Day Lewis. It's so good it kind of can pick and choose when it performs. Sure, why not? All right, that is going to do it, guys, for Weekly Manga Recap. Thank you all for joining us here in Smashcast.tv slash Rollity, Twitch.tv slash Rollity. We record the show Wednesdays sometime between 7.30 and 8 Eastern Time. Hope that none of you missed it with the daylight savings happening this week. Or, you know, I don't know. I know that, like, in some areas of the world, don't go on daylight savings time at the same time. I know uh, UK shifted before us, so they're caught up now. Okay, okay. Uh, anyhow, to stay updated on when we record the show and all the other stuff, you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast, at Relity, at Nick of Time. 
Check out our past episodes on weeklymongrecap.podbean.com, on YouTube, on iTunes. Leave a comment, leave a rating, uh, all that good stuff. Subscribe. Help out the algorithm. Help us rise to the top of the hobby section. Dethrone the woodworkers. It's very important that we do this. Very important. The fate of the world depends on it. Special thanks to our Patreon supporters. You you allow us to create all sorts of fun bonus content for you guys. Uh, Discord server. Check it out. Use it to ask questions. Use it to suggest future manga for us to read. All that stuff. Keep up with the spreadsheet that Ninja X3i maintains, where you can look at the supplementary awards that, that we'll be going over at the end of the year. Uh, and also, who has won MVP? Who has won Best Series? What suggestions are we working on? All that stuff. Special thanks to Ninja X3i, to Steve Manor Tarkaris, to Infamous Planet for the stuff that he does. It's miscellaneous, you know, whatever. He made the frame around us, so... <laughs> Opening sequence was by Wednesday L. Cheddar. You can follow him on YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash Wednesday Cheddar and Milo Stillitz, soundcloud.com slash Milo Jack Stillitz. And uh, yeah, well, we will be working on Buster Keel now. Cool. Yep. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, Nick, if I was going to cut down a tree, what would I use? Um. A chainsaw? Stay tuned next week when Chainsaw Man returns. Let's keep happening.